Good evening. It's five five minutes past four in in studio, and we are we are Radio CC ninety eight point three FM, and you're listening to My Life in a Suitcase with Manisha. And today with me in the studio is Alan Falsi. And for those who don't remember Alan, I want to ask you why you should remember him, because we had an amazing, amazing show with Alan just a few weeks back. And on that show, I announced that Alan is going to be back in the show as a co-host and also as an informal analyst. So, Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're, we're, we're lucky to have you in the show. And today we are going to talk about some more difficult topics. So there's going to be lots and lots of trigger warnings because today uh, uh, the topic of the show is we're going to talk about Palestine. We're going to talk about what ha- happened in Dublin. We're going to talk about some amazing uh, projects that Ireland government has started to help refugees. We're going to talk about racism and the and the kindness of Irish government in the worst situations, worst global situations. So, Alan, how have you been? I've been very well. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's a very busy time at the moment in the world. Lots happening, lots of dynamics at play, all very interesting to watch and follow. That's true, but it, it, to be honest, it just makes me really sad. I just find myself thinking about it all the time, especially what's happening in Palestine and how the rest of the world is behaving especially um especially i've been seeing videos of palestinian people constantly asking help and aid and prayers from the muslim community and um the top of muslim community which is so which is saudi arabia is not helping them at all and not only they're not helping them um they are putting everyone in jail who is trying to help palestinians and that's really really heartbreaking and i don't think that trust is gonna you know I mean, there is there's an inherent problem, and I mean, particularly with 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 Saudi, and I, and I, as you say, Saudi is the main one. There's no question, and that is they they can say nothing because they are so slow to come out and condemn Hamas. That 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 is the issue. So the Americans are saying, you know, we prefer you to say nothing, um, and Hamas is somewhat the just the, the elephant in the room still at the moment, you know, even with the Irish government, even with, you know, there's that conflict, yeah, that inherent conflict that, you know, you know why Hamas exist, why, why they do what they do. You can understand. I mean, we're Irish, you know, we did the same, you know, we maybe not to the, the same extent in some ways, but, you know, terrorism is terrorism and the Irish are very successful terrorists in our day as well. Um, but if but if you weren't at that day, I, I don't think Ireland would be able to get its freedom. That's my opinion, though, coming from a country of war. <laughs> no, I mean, I would agree. I mean, certainly back in, you know, in 1916, yeah. they were all a minority. I mean, the people of Dublin were astounded to see these guys marching down Grafton Street on, on the morning on, on, in, in 1916. There yeah. was very, very little support. I mean, where the support came in was how the British reacted, you know, and then the execution of the leaders of the uprising, that kind of triggered news and sympathy, and then that grew and grew and grew. And then, you know, kind of post-World War One as well, there were other global dynamics and the, the freedom of small states and, and safety of small states. And maybe to some extent, that's what's happening at the moment. I mean, there's, I would have to say that I think 
the majority of the globe is starting now to to pull against Israel on that. Yeah, that they're just beginning to say, you know, this this is too much. We understand your anger, and but, and I mean, even the Americans, you know, are saying, you know, we made the mistake after nine eleven of acting impulsively out of anger, you know, and and and. and <laughs> I, I think, you know, even now the last few days, this, this current ceasefire. Yeah. And, you know, this idea that, you know, is this going to last now a little bit longer? There's, I mean, at least it's stopped for a little while. It's giving people a chance to take a breath. But I don't think the world is going to forgive Israel for, for the last six weeks. I think uh, they've done incredible damage to, the, to themselves. To their so many days. thousands are dead. And for me, you know, just, just, uh, and 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 just to be clear, my thoughts are mine only. It's just private thoughts. It's nothing to do with the radio show or with the radio channel or Alan as well. It's just, I I just think it's a big show. I just think it was all a big drama, a big show, just to be able to get the approval to kill thousands of innocent children and men and women and people and destroy their lives and just just to just to commit genocide because when the sea when when the when so-called ceasefire started and i was looking at this video of um israeli prisoners coming out and i was just looking at this the the people who were wearing the hamas uniform they were so new like really really new it's just like just came out of the packets and you're wearing them and 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 everybody looked so young so it's 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 just so I, I'm thinking okay in my mind I thought that Hamas warriors might be by now really really you know like they might they might have older clothes or they might be older people or they might have but it's 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 all strange you know like everything but you have to be careful yeah but you have to be careful there because <laughs> I know where you're going with it you're thinking actually they're probably Mossad or Israeli Secret Service or you know, and there are stories coming out that, um, you know, in fact, on, on that day, you know, that yeah. it was Israeli forces that, uh, particularly at that musical festival, it was attack helicopters that opened fire indiscriminately. And it's certainly strange that it took Israel so long to react. But, no, they are Hamas. They're of probably course, yeah. nice uniforms because they know they're going to be on camera. Yeah. They're young because the kidnappers were young and they used the same Hamas operatives to release them as we're probably looking after them, you know, and they didn't want to scare them. And they seemed, I thought the, the, the hostages being released, I thought they seemed quite calm, quite well looked after. And I mean, even that, that, that Irish Israeli guy, Thomas Hand has said, you know, his daughter is okay. She's lost a bit of weight, but she's in good, good condition or whatever. So we have to be careful not to fall into conspiracy. I mean, you know, yeah. we live in a world of cons- no, they 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 are hammers, and <laughs> <laughs> but they're but they're wearing really new uniforms. I'm yeah. gonna tell you, that. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> From a women's perspective, the clothes were pretty new. <laughs> yeah, no, but they would certainly have put their best foot forward in terms uh, yeah. of wanting to look you know, <laughs> good clean. on and the I mean, camera. They have, but I mean, what's really interesting, I think, at the moment, is how much fighting is going on by the Americans. Yeah, I mean, the Americans are doing a lot of drone attacks and. Um, I think Israel, uh, the Americans are keeping the Hezbollah, the Iranian side, quiet. You yeah. know, and they're, they're, they're kind of fighting on that front. And certainly within Iraq, even the Hezbollah training camps are being hit. So, I mean, and that's why I think, as you say, and I mean, I, I know you, you must feel it, you know, why is Saudi not getting, what, what could Saudi do? 
What, what, could, what could they do? I mean, they can't. Um, as, as a Muslim myself, um, even if they cannot be part, be part of the war, what they could have done is they could have, you know, opened their borders for these people to at least have a, okay, like this is how I feel. At least they could have sent some aid. At least they could have prayed. At least they could have not prison, imprisoned people who are trying to, you know, talk about Palestine. Like, look, we are here in Ireland and Ireland is not a Muslim country, but still Ireland has done much, much more compared to the rest of the world for Palestinian people to raise voices for Palestinian people, for innocent lives, to raise voices for ceasefire. And that really makes me proud to be here at this time of the history in Ireland because I feel part of the group who is kind. Yeah, you it's know? true. And, and I, feel, I, I feel the same. Don't forget, though, that... When is when 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 Israel first of all when the, when the, when that kind of huge refugee problem in 1967 started emerging with Palestine, they went to to Jordan. Yeah. 1967, the Palestinians rose up against the Jordanian king. That was a war, a full-on war between the Palestinian refugees and the Jordanians. They pushed them out up into into um, uh, into Lebanon which was at that time a Christian-run country. Yeah. Then we had the Lebanese War and the Beirut War. Don't forget that the biggest amount of, of, of 790,000 Palestinian refugees were thrown out of Kuwait in 1991 because they supported Saddam Hussein when he invaded into Kuwait. I privately, over my time over there, I would certainly hear Muslims and Arabs, and particularly Saudis, being as derogatory and negative in their talk about the Palestinians as Israelis. And why do you think that is? Because there are people without land. And that ship has sailed. Mm -hmm. that, that ship has sailed. That's done. That was the great crime at the very start. That is the continual crime in terms of the settlement. What do you do with 2.1 million people, which is now what we have crammed into this tiny space down there it's a problem got to do with money it's you know i mean let's be honest the saudis did nothing for the syrians either again that was jordan you know that that brought them in there so yeah you know these are these people are are lost the lost there's there's the solution has to come from within their home their own homeland and that homeland happens to be israel you know, so yeah. it's, it's it's a difficult, difficult situation. There's absolutely no doubt. But the murder that's going on from Israel is disgraceful from any legitimate uh, democratic country that we trade with and we deal with and we buy their products and our companies do business. It's a disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace. The obnoxious arrogance from Israel. You know, um, um, I'm so glad that on this show, me and you, we are two very different voices. You come from a background who actually understands the history, understands what's going on in war, understands both sides, and understand the truth and factual part of it. For me, I come from a group of like group of people who don't understand any of it. We just understand why are these people being killed. We are just, you know, we are just sitting really, really upset and you know in, in depression and anxiety looking at all watching all these videos that children 
dying, people are under rubbles, nobody's there to help, and we just don't understand like what type of political ideology or what type of country or what type of what what type of nations would be willing to massacre so many like such a huge amount of people and how can such a the other rest part of the world would still be celebrating enjoying and having fun and and not getting worried about what's going on you know um i just i i just went through i i was i was going through these posts of um some of some of the the some of the people who died and there were some last of their their posts like for example um heba muhammad um who was who mar- who was who died or who was martyred with her kids on 15th october her last post was oh god how much i had imagined the war before and how much i had imagined the gaza was the sacrifice offered for awakening of the ummah but never in my life did i imagine that the sacrifice would be made and the ummah would still not wake up never in my life did i imagine that there wasn't an ummah to begin with that is that actually her her um her emotions is the same as me sitting in arling but she sitting in gaza and there were videos of 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 um imams of masjids crying out for help asking for people for muslim people to pray for us and here i and here i am looking at so many other countries who are not you know so i i understand what you say it's just you know from a from a co- common folk perspective when i look at this i just i just don't understand the cold shoulders i keep saying it money to understand money do you know how much money that the like dubai they only started flights i mean up to to two two years ago if you had a visa an israeli visa stamp on your passport you couldn't even go into the emirates or into kuwait or these countries yeah so, not to forget flying i mean you have they have to fly over israeli airspace now emirates fly into israel uh, etihad fly into israel saudi do you think that the americans haven't said look open up diplomatic relations with israel you want to buy your live golf we'll allow all this to happen be part of the greater world community israel is a democratic country they have elections they have this yeah. come join come join the good side that's what does it that's what does it you know and and these um, the, the images that are coming out are awful and the situation of these people is 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 awful but you know, there's powerful powerful forces at work so alan uh, since all this started till today where are we standing what has happened and what do you think is going to happen from now on i think what we have at the moment is i think one of the very unusual one of the very unusual things about about this and this is really very important you know in let's say northern ireland because i i often refer back to the our own peace process mm. in northern ireland there were direct negotiations you know going on uh, particularly through the church the catholic church in northern ireland were talking directly to the british yeah. problem at the moment is that the israelis are talking to the americans who are talking to the qataris who are talking to the egyptians who are talking to the hamas there's no direct conversations as, as yet but i think there's some momentum there i know that those conversations are going on with israel that this is a problem you're yeah. losing world uh, uh support here and um, you know people are 
disgusted by what's happening. This is going to have long-term implications for your business, mm-hmm. for tourism. I mean, Ryanair has direct flights to, to, to Jordan, you know, as yeah. the, and Jordan is one of the places where, let's say for the West Bank, like any time I went to the West Bank, was in through Jordan, not, not directly in through Israel. They're now talking maybe, you know, of letting 10 prisoners, you know, 10 prisoner release, which can just, and the, the longer you get of peace, or not of peace, of a ceasefire, yeah. it just gets more momentum. You know, it then seems harder to go back into it again. Like, if we got a week of this, how will Israel go back in now to southern Gaza, you know, with, with, with tanks and ground forces and things like that? So there's certainly forces at work that enable this kind of slaughter. But there's also now forces at work, I think, to say, maybe the long term, maybe you've done enough now. I mean, Israel has always said, you kill one Israeli, we kill 10 Arabs. Well, yeah, That's- now that Dave, it's like one Israeli and thousand Arabs. To be honest, both, none of them should be killed, not Israelis nor Arabs, because none of them, like the people who killed on Israeli sides, they were also common folks. They were normal people enjoying their lives, or at least that is how absolutely, I think. Absolutely, but the the hatred that seems to exist between them is is literally biblical. It's literally biblical. They reference back to the Bibles, to the Old Testament. It's and likewise on the 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 the, the Hamas side, they're referencing the Quran, and you know they. Yeah. It's it's don't look for logic. There's no logic here. There's no sense here. Then you have Netanyahu. Who knows when this war ends? The next questions that are going to be asked is: You had one job. You had one reason. Even though we knew you were corrupt. Yeah. Even though we knew you were going to bring in laws in Israel that the majority of Israelis didn't agree with in terms of the judicial system and how the judges had power and the judiciary. Um, he knows the next question is going to be, one job was keep us safe. The worst attack that we've ever had was on your watch. Where were our soldiers? Where were our defences? And he knows his, his time in power is very, very short yeah. after this war. And so, of course... It's in his interest to try and keep the thing going. But I think there's there's positive signs. Hopefully. So yeah. let's take a short break. I'm, I'm getting too emotional, I guess. We'll just take a short break and we'll be back after this lovely Christmas song. Well, we are living in two very different worlds. So this is part of the second world. Most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle belling And everyone telling you Good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the half happiest season of all. With those holiday greetings and gay happy meetings when friends come to call. It's the For toasting and caroling out in the snow There'll be scary ghost stories And tales of the glories Of Christmases long, long ago It's the most wonderful time of the year There'll be much mistletoeing And hearts will be glowing When loved ones are near It's the most wonderful time of the year 
Christmas is long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time. Yes, the most wonderful time. Oh, the most wonderful time. Welcome back. You are listening to My Life in a Suitcase with a very emotional manija about very difficult topics of today. And you're listening to Radio UCC 98.3 FM and it is 4.25 in the studio today. And just joined us fresh, fresh from the day with lovely, lovely fragrances is, is... Sinead Moynihan. From what show? Oh, from Reroll Manoa. <laughs> Manisha, I never sit on this side of the table. Well, welcome back. <laughs> I love sitting over here and I love seeing you as the boss. Oh, God. Sinead is being very kind. You know, it was just, it just feels like yesterday that I, that I was invited to Sinead's show and she interviewed me. And right after the show, um, she helped me get this show. And now it's after almost after one year, we are seeing each other on Yet another show, which is very different on two different sides of the table. And the tables is turned, Sinead. <laughs> yes. After I interviewed you, Manija, I said, oh, my God, this woman's voice needs to be heard on radio. <laughs> and straight away, I interviewed, I introduced you to the radio manager. And he was like, yes, let's sign you off. Let's get your show on the air. So uh, for all our listeners out there today, um, as I told you in the beginning, that we have a very trigger warning triggering topics and with that there are there all today's a very emotional day for all three of us first we will tell you how we three are connected like how me alan sinead we know each other so we'll let sinead do the job for that yeah i guess manisha yet again you're probably the boss of that of how we all know <laughs> each on. other you're such we a, know you are the boss i'm no. just you know i'm just showing off for it <laughs> you're such a powerhouse of a woman um so we all know each other because we are part of a community sponsors sponsorship group based here in Cork and our group is called Foilda Ashling. So community sponsorship is a government backed initiative to welcome a refugee into our community. So as part of our group, I think we're a, a mixture of professionals, uh, possibly some students. And even with the professionals, our backgrounds are quite diverse. And our umbrella mission is to work together as a group to become a sponsor for a wonderful young woman, a 23-year-old um, Afghani woman um, who unfortunately had to stop her studies in Afghanistan because it's forbidden for women to study at university. And this woman had her bright future, her ambitious future, very whipped from underneath her feet. So as part of our community sponsorship group, Foil to Ashling, we're working really, really hard um, under the guidance and of NASC, 
the National Asylum Seeker Council um, to work really hard to raise 10,000 euros to be able to welcome this young woman to Ireland to give her a chance um, to fulfill her true potential. Yeah, that being said, the, the problem is we are receiving a lot of backlash with that. I talked to um, different people about this and the response I got was shocking because my understanding from Ireland was, is and always will be a very, very kind and accepting country. But in the, well, what's happening in the recent events, especially in Dublin, that's really, really heartbreaking. And um, because of those events and the ideology that is behind it, uh, many people are not feeling very welcoming to be to be honest as i said in the beginning i i was mentioning that i'm being very emotional so to be honest being emotional is not a very very good emotion in such topics because being emotional is not a is is is, is not a very is not a very good color it's it's like uh, in situations like when there is war going on in Palestine, in situations where, where there are protests going on in Dublin and and uh, public property is being destroyed and fire and threats and people dying and killing and injuring, people who are just being emotional is not helping anybody. We need to educate ourselves to know the history, like how I was talking to um, to Alan before saying, oh, Alan, I don't know, I'm just being sad and shocked and this and that. That's not going to help because people who are sad and shocked and who are just in terrifying, these are the people who are ri- writing all kinds of remarks all over the social media, just making other people upset and shocked. But this is causing all of us to walk away from the truth as far as possible and it's not bringing any of us to the actual facts which is which is very important so that we actually know that what's going on around us how should we behave what is the responsible behavior so ellen would you please um talk about um, what's happening in dublin and why do you think this is happening and what's our responsibility oh you know i really i i mean I can understand. I can understand it from from your perspective. How you look very differently on this than I would, because I just can't even be bothered giving them time anymore. There, such a lack of just logic. Like, I, I just an example to link it back to Palestine. We have, we have this alt right in Ireland that's yep. developed, who are a hundred percent now supportive of Israel in this Palestine conflict. But yet don't understand that the Jewish lobby group in the United States are the greatest financiers of the whole alt-left. Yeah. It, there's no sense to it. These people are, do you know what they are? They're ignorant thugs. It's perfectly, we are all perfectly entitled to have a viewpoint. You know what? It's almost perfectly reasonable as well to say, a country needs to have a policy around emigration. It needs to know what it's doing. Does it put downward pressure on services? You know, is it going to impact positively? Are there negative impacts? It, that's a perfectly normal discussion. These people are not up for discussions. Yeah. This is not a view. They have no other view. They haven't arrived at this. They're thugs. They believe things that they see on the internet. Absolute, the absolute insanity of the, I mean, by the second day, you know, four people, four children stabbed to death by a, an Algerian that had, it just doesn't warrant. And, and I also, I genuinely think it's such a tiny, tiny minority yep. that 
they're punching so far above their weight. This country has no time for that. Agreed. Th- yeah, yeah. I mean, it has Agreed. Been. And uh, totally, Alan, this country, we have no tolerance for this and no time for this. Yeah. And Manish, I was heartbroken to hear your text on our group that, you know, you felt frightened. And that's really understandable. And I am so sorry that my country made you feel like that. And I really believe, like Alan said, these are a very small and loud minority. But I think as a country, we need to stand up and say this is not acceptable. They need to be prosecuted. Not only do they need to be prosecuted, but the social media platforms that propagated this, they need to be prosecuted. This is not okay. And I live by the motto, life is what we pay attention to. What happened in Dublin was atrocious, but I'm choosing to shine the light on other things, like what we're doing with Foil to Ashling. Mm-hmm. And if there's any listeners out there who want to shine the light of their focus on something else, please do donate to our GoFundMe page. You will find if you Google GoFundMe and put in Foil to Ashling, that's F A I L T E. A-I-S-L-I-N-G it'll bring you to our page and there that's the there's a big critical mass of people as well who are welcoming who are empathetic who try their best to walk in other people's shoes like after Thursday nights let's call them riots they were not protests they were riots and after Thursday night's riots I had a conversation with my 13 year old son and he was like, why would anybody do that? And why are they saying these horrible things about people from different parts of the world? And he was like, we need to walk in their shoes, in the shoes of people who come here to Ireland as a safe place. And the message that, listening to my 13-year-old son, he was like, that's intolerable. And he's right. And so many other people echo that. It's intolerable. Definitely, yeah. but you know, um, definitely that is so true. But if you think about, um, you know, from the point of view of someone like me, who is a refugee, who who has found asylum, who's found sanctuary in Ireland or any other country, when things like this happened, because we are so fragile, you know, yeah. we we left the pain, the war, the the burning cars, the burning vehicles, the dying people, the injured people the people getting mad over other people just because of their differences, we have left off all that behind and we have tried to find sanctuary in a place, in a country which is not like that. So when we see something like that happen, we we really feel sad for the country who has given us that love and compassion. And we just want to say to, you know, to give back to the country, to the kind and compassionate people of Ireland, say, look, we really love Ireland. And we want to be part of Ireland. We want to to be part of 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 its progress. We we don't want people burning vehicles or or hurting children. Bad and good are everywhere. Like you will see. I, I won't say that. If, for example, if I'm from Afghanistan, then all Afghans are angels. That's not true. But yes. if one Afghan does something bad, it doesn't mean that everybody else is evil as well. Agreed. You know, but there is always a possibility that if one Afghan is doing good, means there's a lot of other good out there as well. So we should not just judge people or just by their, you know, like color of skin and say, oh, 
this person is like that. So let's now start burning, you know, like transportation all around Dublin so that all of them should should leave Ireland. Otherwise, we're in danger. That's not okay. So we feel terrified. We feel like we haven't done anything wrong, but we are being blamed for something that we haven't done. And here we are trying to be really positive, trying to bring a young, lovely, highly educated dentist in Ireland who can have a future, who can work, who can pay taxes, who can actually be somebody who can have a good, what's a good word, who, 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 can, who can pay her, her part in bringing Ireland to a better level in dentistry. Mm. Yes. And when we will talk to people, people who I said, just emotional people like, oh my God, you are not enough. You're bringing more people here. Mm. That's, that's not okay. No. Why not? There are so many people around the world who went to other countries and they built those countries. Like the Irish. Oh, yeah, we're everywhere. <laughs> we're the biggest immigrants I know. You will find Irish people in every corner of the world. Since the 1800s, we have a long legacy of immigration. Um, so this small but loud minority of people who are causing separate um, identities and kind of making it them and us narrative. They're small and loud, but I think the overriding essence is we come from a lineage of immigrants. A hundred percent. And I've just come from a sustainable futures conference down in the Glucksman. And I got to meet my hero today. This is a bit of a side note. One of my heroes is an amazing woman called Mary Robinson. Wow. Oh. She was. Yeah, I got to get my photo with her. I'm such a fan. That's why you're glowing. I know. Yeah. Um, so Mary Robinson was a former president of Ireland mm -hmm. and she also dragged Ireland kicking and screaming out of a lot of ancient policies, when, especially for women. When things didn't go right in Ireland for women, she took their cases to Europe, won them in Europe. She has a legal background and then would come back here and change her constitution. So there I was rummaging through my notes because I've taken so many notes from hearing her speak today. And she is bold. She calls oh, yeah. things out without fear. And she quoted Nelson Mandela and she said, uh, quoting Nelson Mandela, things always seem impossible until it's done. And I think it might seem like we're in that landscape at the moment. It's like, okay, Ireland as a sanctuary for asylum seekers, as a sanctuary for people fleeing war, persecution, um, you know, regimes that are so violent and oppressive. They're coming here. And it's like, okay, well... Is there enough space for everybody? How do we live in harmony? And for some courts of people, it might seem impossible, but it's absolutely not. It's actually essential. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how yeah, I went I mean, on that don't, tangent. Don't forget, there's a very important factor here. You, you may well feel afraid. There's one group that they, in their hearts and souls, they hate more than you. It's us. <laughs> it's us are the enemy. Not the refugees. They can't come out and say, actually, 100% of the democratic political class in Ireland have condemned this. Who elected them? Are Literally, they are our representatives. That's, they represent us. Mm. This is not about refugees. This is about something 
that's meshed into right-wing politics, which always has been. Pick a group, even in, in 1932 and 33 in Germany, it was the Jews, but it was the educated classes. It was the universities that the Nazis cleared out. Mm-hmm. We're the enemy. The Irish that oppose what they want are the enemy. Mm-hmm. Not the refugees. That's, that's the subject matter to hang the hook on. Yeah, and <laughs> if you... us all equally. And if you really kind of unpack it, I heard an amazing spokesperson from a community group in Dublin. He described himself as black and Irish. And he said that ethnic minorities and refugees and asylum seekers, uh, they count for less than 5% of our current population in Ireland. How can they be blamed for the housing crisis? How... Can they be blamed for the healthcare crisis? Less than 5%, no chance. So who we should really be marching and having proactive protests, not riots, about is policy and government. So I just think that what happened in Dublin was absolutely atrocious. It was a, a riot and I think it's part of a greater right-wing movement that's sweeping all across the world to unstabilize democracy. Um, But I think we are stronger and I am hopeful. I think that we are on the cusp of making a fair, an equitable, a more just, a greener society. And we just need a bit of momentum in that direction. And I'm choosing to shine my torch on that path definitely definitely that 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 is that is such good hopeful okay today my brain is all mushy i'm very i really am emotional today to be honest mm. but yeah that 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 is really uh, that is something really hopeful to look forward to and i'm sure we will go there and we will reach there and to all those people who think that they can bring Ireland down or bring the people who are Irish at heart down. That's not possible. We love Ireland. We are here to build Ireland. We are not here to destroy and we won't let you destroy Ireland as well. So speaking of that, let's talk about this lovely lady we're trying to bring in. Yes. So w- what's happening with that, guys? So actually, Manija, I was looking back over our chat um, just before I came on air today. So myself and my co-host Suze, we interviewed you for Reromano in <laughs> October 2022. Yeah. And back then, um, you had a voice note from a student that you wanted to share. Yeah. And that student is now our Ashling. So oh. Ashling is her pseudonym to protect her identity. Yeah. And we chose that name Ashling because it's the Irish for dream and vision. And we're hoping that uh, when Ashling comes here, so Ashling is not her real name, that she can fulfill her dreams and her life vision. And back then, a year and a month ago, you said to me, this woman is amazing. And when I can, I'm going to try my hardest to bring her here. And look at you go. You are a powerhouse, Manisha. Not only have you relocated your family here, but it doesn't stop there. The fight and the passion for equitable and equal chance at a good life goes on and you extend that outwards so you're amazing and you have every right to feel emotional and you said earlier oh emotion you know it doesn't get us anywhere 
But you need, it's valid. It's a valid fucking feeling. It's a valid <laughs> feeling. And that's what you're feeling right now. And remember when all on our group, our Foils to Ashling group, um, Manisha, you said, I'm heartbroken. I'm scared. I'm like, we need your voice on the radio today. And that was on Friday when it was breaking news about the riots because, Manisha, when you speak, you're speaking from such a place of lived experience and therefore it becomes a human connection. I can connect to a human. Because I remember when we were having you into Riram and all, I was a bit nervous. I was like, wow, I've never met a woman from Afghanistan. Do we <laughs> hug? Do we shake hands? What's the etiquette? What's culturally appropriate? What's okay? And I loved our pre-show chat. You were like, let's bust some myths. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. And you do that time and time again by your humanity. You know, we are three humans here. Uh, you know, we come with our unique flavors of our cultural backgrounds, but we meet on that human level of connecting and understanding. For me, she's just a great dentist. But <laughs> apart from that, apart from that, there's something over the something over the last six or seven months that I started that I started to get interested in. Okay. One of the huge problems when we came out of Afghanistan and out of Iraq, particularly for the, the yep. younger military, was post-traumatic stress. What you are an example is post-traumatic growth, mm. which is the other side of the spectrum. And That's you, true. It's incredible. Mm. It's an incredible, powerful thing. Yeah. Post-traumatic stress. We always think of trauma yes. as the negativity after those yes. people that are able to work through it. There's a set of skills that they bring to a table that... Because we haven't had the, the because we haven't had that that that, yeah. that particular trauma, and I mean, let's be honest: explosions, the sounds, the smells—they are a particular trauma. But to meet someone with post-traumatic growth, which you have, and I know sometimes you feel a bit down on things and whatever, mm -hmm. and you, and that's totally understandable. But how you have shown growth and how you are using that trauma in a positive way to help people who are currently in trauma. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. And I mean, then for me as well, just on, on this particular sponsorship group, that guilt when, yeah. when, when the Americans pulled out of Afghanistan. And I thought, my God, this girl was brought up from the age of two. She knew nothing but education, education, yeah. which was what the main policy, particularly around Kabul and Herat, not so much down in Kandahar, because it just <laughs> was never going to take. That's where the money went. That's educate. It's same in Northern Ireland. Right yeah. at the start of the peace process, educate it. Now, we still haven't integrated the schools up there. But, you know, but and then to have it, how must she have felt mm. to see these bastards coming back onto, sorry, coming back onto the street yeah. and knowing it was all dissolving? Yeah. And, you know, Alan, I, I've been thinking, uh, I've, I've been thinking a lot these past days. And I'm, I'm thinking like now, especially with Palestine ceasefire and people are talking about negotiations. And I remember about... Taliban negotiations and we were in Herat at that time and we would hear that negotiations are happening in Qatar Doha, yeah. Doha Qatar I never none of us ever thought that the result like the end result of negotiations okay. would be Taliban no, coming Trump, back to Trump Afghanistan did that, did that deal with the, and then Biden followed through on it. yeah so I mean we never thought that the bad side can also win the negotiation we always thought mm -hmm. that it's going to end up you know in our favor in people's favor so I hope that 
this time, if there is going to be any negotiations between Palestinian and Israelis, it should be on the side for innocence. So talking about Sudaba, I've known Sudaba for many years now. Um, um, to her, I'm, I'm her lecturer. I'm her mentor as well, uh, because, um, when I, I still remember when I met Sudaba, I was a very, I was a very new lecturer right, right from, you know, I just came from China and just became a lecturer in Herat University. A very big moment for me because all my life that was my dream. I want to be a lecturer in Herat University because my parents were both doctors and lecturers themselves and they had to flee Afghanistan because of war. And my, my father would always remember that and say that I miss being in Kabul University. They had so many memories. So I would always think that one day when I return to Afghanistan, I will, you know, fulfill that dream and be, be a lecturer in, in, in Afghanistan and it's not easy it's a very very difficult process and I remember the first class I was given to teach was Sudaba's class and I entered and there were so many students like all amazing intelligent faces with those big wide eyes and when I started speaking to them they were so excited that you know like a teacher who has studied someplace else and is is very different than the norm teacher that we know and they were all very brilliant and when the class ended this 35, 40 kilogram, very tall, very thin, slender girl followed me with her book. And from that day till the day I left Afghanistan, she never left my side, always with that book, questions, asking questions. And, mm. you know, she has that motivation and that strength that I have never, ever seen in anybody else. She would all day long search for different topics, books, literature, research, websites, any way to gain more knowledge than one she's offered. She is the only one in her whole big family that actually has gone to university. That's mm. something, you know, that says mm -hmm. something. In in Afghanistan, if a family is, is like, they don't like their daughters to go to university, and if one black sheep makes it, makes, like, makes it out, it means that she was very, very brave. Mm. And even with this program, it took us forever to to you know make her mother agree that let her go she needs she needs a better future and for such a person who had really really high hopes for her future she always wanted to be a lecturer in Herat university one day she wanted to open her own um her own surgery um she always wanted to own a big book club and a big you know library with lots of loads and loads of books in it i've never seen someone that motivated even when taliban happened so many other people, they went into depression. Sudaba did as well, but for a very short period of time. I remember when I was new refugee in Ireland and I would call her and she being in Herat in that terrible darkness, she would try to help me to get up. And she would have, don't worry, be happy, go see the ocean. You haven't seen the ocean yet. What are you doing there? Like, imagine that. It's like, go there, look at the ocean, send me pictures. And I would think to myself that... I should be ashamed even if I, for one second, I lose my hope. And look at Sudaba, so young, who has lost everything. She has no future ahead of her, but still she's trying to hang, hang into very small hope, very small slithers of light that is possible. And she did that. She opened the book club. She tried to achieve, okay, if I cannot graduate from university, at least I can achieve this dream. But as you know, for many, many other young girls in Afghanistan, that was also not possible for her. And right now she's in a lot of danger. 
um, Taliban have spotted her. They they have found a good way to punish all these women, and that good way is to get married to them, because there is no better slave than a than a forced wife who cannot run away, who cannot ask for her rights, who cannot even go back to her parents because legally in front of the society, she's now bound to this person. And many of these men who are getting trying to get married to these young, intelligent, educated girls, um, they already have two wives or three wives. The only thing is now they have access to the nation's money so they can spend it any way they like it. And one of those one of those men, they have found, he has found his way to Sudaba's home. And every day they're trying to bribe her parents to marry her off to them. And it's getting worse by day. And um, um, the day when I told her that your application has been accepted by IRPP, she was so shocked. She kept crying and crying and crying. It took me two days for her to actually believe that the help has arrived. Mm. And as Sinead put in very lovely words, we're really, really trying to help her dreams come true. And we really need some help in gathering money because now we have passed all the other obstacles in our way as a group, as a community group. Um, now the only obstacle is the money part. And um, Alan being... Our financial guru, he has, he has helped us a lot <laughs> in making a GoFundMe page. And, you know, he's, he has loads of planning for, for gathering more funds. Uh, but today's show is also an appeal to please go to our GoFundMe page and, um, please donate. Um, Sinead, would, yeah. do, would you, do you would want me to spell it again? Yes, please. please so do. it's, if you just Google GoFundMe, uh, and if you put in that Google search, GoFundMe, Foilta Ashling, F-A-I-L-T-E-A-I-S-L-I-N-G. And there, there's also a little bit of background info and a link to a newspaper article. And I'll just give an example of what I'm doing for my family for Christmas. So for a long time, we've given up buying presents. And so usually I donate to a charity and then just print a little card. This has been donated on your behalf to this charity. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give my donation to this GoFundMe page um, because, as we all know, we live in such an overconsumed world. Everyone has too much of everything. But I can play a very small part in allowing this amazing young woman to come here to Ireland and to have a second shot at realizing her dreams. And I can't wait for her to join my book club. <laughs> Myself and Suze have a book club. She'll be running it. Uh, that's what I was going to say, actually. Yeah. The radio show's already gone. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and before ending the show, um, I have this last message to the group of people who are trying to trying to burn cars and transport and vehicles and trying to destroy government property and public property. Please stop. Yeah, it's our property. Please yeah. stop. That's so simple. Please stop. Just stop. It's this is this is really silly. You are not going to reach anywhere with all this. If you are trying to attack refugees, just remember these are the people that. Terrorist groups couldn't hurt them. <laughs> you know, we are people who, who, who stood against 
against trauma, against terrorists, against bad regimes, against bad governments, against anything bad, you name it, we, we, we tolerated it and we, we conquered it and we found new places to live and we found new life. Um, and still when we are here, we are trying to do the same thing because country is also like friends, you know, country it doesn't matter which country you are born in. It matters which country you choose to be part of. Because once your heart is linked to that country, you will love that country forever. And we love Ireland. We don't want you to destroy Ireland. We don't want you to bring the same war and destruction that we have left behind. We don't want you to bring that and introduce it to Ireland. Because Ireland deserves much, much more. Ireland is a very kind and compassionate country. And... Um, in, in, in Afghanistan, we have a saying, we say, if you have, if you have place in your heart, you will find a place in your house as well. Mm. So don't worry. There is plenty for everybody in this country. We just need a little bit of love and compassion. And if anytime you feel sad or left out, you can always write to us and read UCC 98.3 FM and we will try to talk to you either through emails or try to just tell you you're not alone if you are facing sadness or if you're facing homelessness or anything that is trying to tell you that these are the refugees who are trying to take your bread. That's not true. Okay, so. I love that line, Manija. Can you say it again, the Afghanistan saying? Yeah, in Afghanistan, we have a saying that if you have a place in your heart, then you certainly have a place in your house. Here, here. I second yep. that. Yeah. Yep. 100%. So this was a lovely, lovely show. I hope we do it again. Thank you so much, Alan, for being here today. You're welcome. Always a pleasure with you. Yep. And thank you, Sinead, for being here. That's amazing. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and guys, let's enjoy the last song, if, if there is any time left. And uh, it's saying, let's snow. But okay, hopefully it doesn't snow <laughs> that much that we are freeze. freeze. <laughs> so we'll see you next week. Same place, same time with another amazing guest. Have a lovely evening. Bye.